Ken Pooch Van Druden here with you, along with Chris Raybold again. Um, guys, we uh, we really liked a bunch of your comments back um, and from yesterday's videos that we posted, and um, <clears throat> we feel like maybe we're going to keep posting maybe a couple of these a week or maybe more depending on you know if we're having a lot of fun doing it. Um, but uh, thanks a lot for posting it, and if you are enjoying it. Please subscribe to my channel. Tell all your friends. Um, the more subscriptions we get, uh, the the more it'll push us um, to want to do events later in the future. You know, I know Chris and I have been talking about doing some, uh, you know, uh, live events in person um, in the future uh, when we can all get out of this craziness of living at home. Um, but um, the more that we do this online and the more people that we get interested in it, um, that'll push us more in that direction. So uh, tell your friends, have them come down here, check it out. Um, and we appreciate you uh, subscribing and and checking it out. So um, how are you today, Chris, in this weird, wacky... I'm all right. Yeah. If I'm honest, I've had trouble gaining traction on the day. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I've had a, I've had some good audio. I've spoken to some peers, arranged some some gear to make it to me. You know what I mean? I've uh, staying busy, just like everybody. Well, good. So I'm yeah, good is the answer to that. I'm great. <laughs> yeah, that sounds uh, not great. you. How are you, Coach? <laughs> Man, it's a weird, wacky world, right? You know, um, just the the fear of financial insecurity right now in our business um, is, um, it, ah, man, it's it's uh, it's hard. You know, we're all we're all feeling it. Um, all of us, I'm sure, all you people that are watching this, you know, it's it's around the world. Everyone is stopped. No one is working, and um, when we don't work, we don't make money. So, um, yeah, it's hard, man. Hard. I heard from a peer today, someone asking me, you know, of course, we're all speculating daily, but uh, asking about, have you guys been pushed back through the summer yet? And then it just went the, the banter back and forth between well, what I see happening, what I see happening. We, we were kind of on the same page. And, you know, it's the the grim reality of of how just how long this might take it. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, it's so but it's, it is. I mean, you know, so like yesterday they just pushed uh, shelter in place here in Dallas until May 20th. Um, and so that means like literally we're not supposed to leave our, leave our house until May 20th. And I'm sure they'll push that more. Um, you know, the hard part about this is, is that um, even when the government says it's all clear and everybody can go back out and go back to work, I think it's going to be several months before we go back to work because people are still going to be scared going to shows. Um, so I don't know. I, you know, I don't want to paint a grim picture for all you guys out there, but um, you know, it, it's hard. I think we're all kind of sitting here. It's the, it's the, the fear of the unknown right now. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, hang in there and while, while you're, you know, at home, um, I'm telling everybody, all my friends, everyone, I'm trying to spend as much time learning um, as I can um, while I have this time. Um, so like I was thinking about taking some networking courses and you know, that kind of stuff. 
Um, I haven't yet, to be honest, but um, I've been looking into that to kind of, you know, mitigate our my time. Um, but anyway, um, enough about all that stuff. Let's talk about audio. <laughs> yeah, let's escape for a little while. I, I, I dig it. Yeah, yeah I dig now, it. let's escape for a little while. You're right. That's absolutely right. Um, you know, we've been talking about drums. Uh, yesterday we talked about triggers and then we went on to talk about mic placement and that kind of stuff. Um, but before we get kind of back into drums, cause I, I figured that maybe if we just continue down that road a little bit, it'll, it'll make sense to people out there. Um, I, uh, I have this thing about, um, watching younger engineers like at festivals or, um, engineers that are opening up for me. And I'll be standing there and listening to their mix and trying to understand what it is that they're trying to achieve, right? So in other words, I'm not saying that it sounds bad. I'm just saying I'm standing there and I'm watching an engineer and there are like zero dynamics. Like it Mm -hmm. sounds like a record right now Mm -hmm. uh which is completely just squashed and um uh you know there's absolutely no dynamics in the world and what what kind of made me think about this you know i don't want to travel down this weird rabbit hole but what made me think about this this morning was um i was listening to uh the peter gabriel so record and Mm -hmm. i was listening to it and i was going man this record is so badass like it has crazy dynamics in it i mean even for back then how loud how loud uh, things can sound in that record oh a record of its time yeah not only that but just like how soft things are and then how loud things are that's what i'm saying it's almost like they have more dynamic range to work with and guess what they do they do (laughs) records weren't within this you know Uh, yeah yeah so (laughs) let me come back around and kind of connect that tissue in the sense of um when I watch a younger engineer work now, I almost think that maybe they don't know what sounds good. Like Mm -hmm. they're not spending enough time studying records that were prior to whatever, 1994 or whatever, you know, when the, the, uh, the L one and the L two completely destroyed the record industry, uh, as far as, as far as dynamics go. Um, you know, right. and, and there was loudness wars. Prior to that, there were records that had dynamics and there were things that sounded good. And it's part of the reason that I love mixing live stuff now is because I get to mix dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the question to you is, number one, do you feel that that's true? Do you think, like I recommend to young guys that they should be listening to, you know, Peter Gabriel, whatever records prior to uh, the sure. loud, the loudness wars, and what mm-hmm. records are those for you? Mm-hmm. And also the another question that I always get asked is, what do I use to tune PA's with? What mm-hmm. songs or whatever? Um, so um, maybe you can answer those Ooh, two questions. Answer those two questions, and then I'll tell you what my answers are to this. So, what songs right. do you use to tune a PA with? So, and I'll tell you this, some of the songs that I use, you know how you'll get that collective sort of uproar sometimes from crews, like as soon as you start your your tuning thing, you'll hear someone's, oh, there he goes again. You know, like, <laughs> and 
a lot of the stuff that I use, and I've changed it all several times over, but some of it I'm more tired of than anybody could possibly imagine. However, it's a tool. That's it. And I know it, and that's the key with that. Whatever you use for tuning is that it is, <clears throat> it's a tool and you just, you have to know it so incredibly well that you're, it's almost not even making decisions based on it. It's just acting intuitively, you know? So for myself, for years, it was a Michelle and Degacello, which is a newer, like maybe that's early 2000s, 90, no, that would have been nineties, maybe early nineties. He's, um, one of her records, there was a song from there that I really liked called the way then I moved on to, I really like Andy Wallace. Now we're not going back to, uh, some cooler 80s stuff or, you know, like clear mountain per se. Some of this is newer. I like Andy Wallace's mixes a lot. Um, ironically, I don't always like his snare. I like everything else. Interesting. Um, but sometimes, yeah, it's weird, but I think he's an amazing mixer and he mixes with so much power and aggression yet with clarity. So I would use a rage tune, um, take the power back, uh, which now I've shortened to only, I have a loop with the kick drum yep. and then the bass comes in a little, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and I use that just to check the integrity of the sub alignment, um, you know, to the rest of the rig. And, uh, on occasion I'll bust out that whole thing and, and people usually enjoy it when I do that. Cause it's something different. There was a newer, it's cliche as Steely Dan is there was a newer Steely Dan track that I started using, which I've now grown to both hate as a song <laughs> and hate sonically. Yet it's such a tool that I totally. still will use it. Yeah. You know, and that is another one. And speaking of things like we were talking about, you'll see mics that'll catch on. That was this song, God Whacker, which has kind of caught favor yeah. with systems guys. Uh, that one, then I've got a couple more. Uh, and I won't give you a million. Of, no, you know, I will go back. I'll use Talking Heads Naive Melody, which has a ton of tape piss on it. I like it. I also know it's too heavy at 2K, but it's a tool. Interesting. Um, but one of my, one of uh, modern I will use because it doesn't have any dynamics yet. It is modern mixing, which is also what we do. Even if we're inspired from different times, I'll listen to a, uh, there's a Drake song. Um, and I've totally spaced on the name, which is not helping anyone. But <laughs> That's um, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll remember it in a little while. But okay. I, heard it as, I heard it as a speaker demo. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And, and, and I'll use that one. So but finally, the one I want to mention, I got some other. There's, I'll use Pink Floyd Money just because it's fun to listen to the panning at the beginning. Totally. And the bass sounds amazing. The vocal can hurt live. There's an Adele song. Anyway, I'm going on and on. But there's one I do want to mention. It's this song, Finley Quay, who's a... Uh, I believe it's Scottish or I can't remember what it's from the nineties and it's this song called even after all. And it's really mellow, which is cool because if I need to play it 20 times, it's not super annoying, but what I like about it, it's not the most sonically all around pleasing song ever, but what is super critical in that song is the bass guitar, particularly a hundred Hertz to 200 Hertz, which is all of that stuff that we are inclined to go. Oh, it's muddy in here and cut and what you'll find when you play that song is that if you cut too much of that and told yourself you just clean the room up then you'll listen to the song and if that bass guitar doesn't poke out in all the right ways and if all of those notes aren't even you're kidding yourself put it back you put too much you, know? you cut too much yeah got it yeah so those are the tune those are the things that um i, I cannot believe i'm blanking on the drake tune but um oh, that's all right dude. i'll 
I'll do that. And then I'll couple it with, I usually won't put vocals in. Sometimes I'm kind of a, I don't like to do a lot of virtual playback <laughs> through the PA. I know you do. Um, I don't, because sometimes it's almost like a bug zapper concept. Like I don't want band guys hearing it and flocking to front of house wow. <laughs> because they're drawn to the light. You know what I mean? So what I'll do is I'll play like the rhythm section or I'll drop stuff in and out, <laughs> but I always do it mindful of if the band is around or not. Cause I don't want to draw the, Hey man, what are you doing? Can I listen? Oh, God damn it. So I um, totally get that. But I, um, for uh, you, that's the whole point is yeah. to listen to it in its environment. Right. I yeah. know. I know. It's funny because you know, it's like, I used to be the guy that would listen to all kinds of different stuff. And I, I still do. I have tools. Um, First off, let me address, I think it's funny that you say that you have a particular producer that you like. I'm the same way. I'm like, okay, I, I like, um, you know, the guy that does all the, or used to do all the Tears for Fears records. I like his style. Um, mm -hmm. His vocals are really uh, super mid-rangey. And if you can get them to sound right in a PA, it then you know that you have your 1K to, you know, 4K range right. Um, so I used to listen to a bunch of different Tears for Fears songs. Um, uh, that guy's name is David Bascom. He's fucking amazing. Um, but um, I think it, it's, you touched on a really good point, which is we choose music, number one, that we know intimately. Like I know forwards and backwards, how that song sounds and how it sounds on different systems. I've used it like that tears for fear stuff I've used since I mix in clubs. So I know wow. what it sounds like on crappy PAs. I know what it sounds like on a good PA. I, you know, all those kind of things. I know, I know what's going to happen when I play that song. I know how the PA is going to respond. So that's mm -hmm. you guys out there. You need to choose a, a piece of music that you know that intimately, you know, that's really, but the other part of that, that you touched on, which is really important is choosing different bits of music for different parts of the frequency range. Right. Um, sure. I, you know, I'll use three or four different things. Um, you know, I use the, I use God Whacker too. I think that's from Mike Hackman actually, uh, you know, where He's I, who, who, who got it from me. <laughs> perfect. So there you go. That's the, the uh, incestuous nature of how this all works. Indeed, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trade them off. That's funny. So shout so, out to Stacker. Awesome <laughs> shout out to Stacker. So Mike yeah. is uh, my system engineer for Iron Maiden, and he's been a system engineer for Chris. So uh, that's where that connection is. Um, anyway, world um, yeah, world class system guy, uh, amazing. Um, anyway, um, so. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to to touch on that um, and talk a little bit about. Oh, one other thing I think is hilarious that you use Steely Dan. My my question is always like the guy that makes a Steely Dan. What does he use? <laughs> I know. And I've I've tried to get away. You'll hear me say this. You'll, you'll hear me say this a lot. In that I try to get away from things. For instance, in our uh, video the other day, I was talking about I'm trying to move away from 91. There's always things right. I'm trying. That's just in my personality where I'm like, I should be able to do it without this. And then I'll, I'll come back around, yeah. you know, and the Steely Dan thing, just so I don't have to say I use Steely Dan. Cause of course everyone thinks of the truly classic Steely Dan of which course. everyone used to tune with. And yeah. I did some of that more 
stereotypical stuff. I did what was the Sting, Tin Sumner's Tales record. Right. Yeah, I did too. What, I did too. What I didn't answer was your question about hearing kind of what people are influenced by as, as it pertains to newer mixes. Um, and yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I hear a lot of really flat, I just hear a lot of really flat mixes. You know, and I, I think that's this is not a novel concept, but I think that has a lot to do with the fact that everyone forget plugins. Just if they're using a digital desk, they've got a compressor and a gate and a whatever else they want on every channel and they feel inclined to use it. And they're not using it with thoughtfulness or with purpose, not saying that I haven't been there myself and still don't go there on occasion where I'm just trying things. But I do think there's a lot of doing things without thought that are creating to some of these lifeless, flat mixes. The guys that are doing modern production right have found a way to have few dynamics, yet it's still impactful. You know what I mean? And that, if you think about it, when we saw the loudness come into play in the late 90s, man, there's a lot of bad sounding records from there that now as time has gone on we still the, the dynamic range if anything has gotten even smaller but guys and gals have figured out how to do it with impact which is an art unto itself a lot of what those edm guys are doing i know it seems like oh it's it's just this or it's just that yeah but they're making it slam with 3db of head like yeah how no that's right so that, that's, a, that's, interesting. that's an art and yeah and i don't think I don't necessarily have that skill set 100%. I can tell you my mix is pretty pretty much a Mars bar when you look at it. I mean, it's pretty flat too, I got to be honest. Um, but because I, I'm like you. I, I, think, I think it is because that's the sound of today, right? So the artists that we're working for, you know, minus Iron Maiden, obviously when I'm talking about Iron Maiden, I, I, it's a whole other thing. But for instance, right. you know, Bruno Mars or Justin Bieber or whatever, we're trying to... I call it um, making a record with impact is what I'm trying to mm -hmm. achieve with a live, you know, situation right now. I'm looking for it to sound like the record, but maybe have a little bit more, you know, sub impact information. Those are the kinds of things that people want when they come to see a mm -hmm. live show. Um, but ultimately, my goal is to create the record. And so in order to do that, I have to kind of replicate what's happening with the record. So I've been dragged kind of kicking and screaming in this dynamic war um, in the sense of, um, you know, I, I too, if you look on my, my output of my master bus, you know, it's, it looks very mastered. You know what I mean? It's, it's, mm. there's a bunch of compression on it and it's, you know, um, but like I do things uh, where um, I'll ride the outputs of my console to the PA by like 3 dB or sometimes even like 5 dB in mm -hmm. dynamic sections. Like in a, in a verse, I might tuck the PA just a little bit and then punch the downbeat of a chorus um, mm -hmm. in order to create dynamics that maybe don't exist. Um, right. Do you do anything? Do you do anything like that? Uh, it's funny. And first of all, that's a very, that actually is a very studio mindset, you know, in a way, you know, to gas the chorus, yes. you know, or to, to do this, to pull back. So yeah, um, I, it's funny. Yes. And no, I never, once I park the, first of all, my master bus, my master master bus, which is like the final pass through. Yep. It stays at zero all the time. I never touch it. Me too. 
once yeah once i found i figured it, it, once i found the place for my matrix out like i send everything just left right out of the desk there's no subs on an ox or anything like that and then uh it all gets done within the processors i don't ride that what i will do in very 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 few sections i don't do it from like verse to chorus i'll do it really i only do it with my shows that have like that are pop uh or, or or something that's got a hip-hop element or something if there's like a track that drops at four you know like i'll but what i'll do is because i keep the band and the tracks for instance on separate vcas i'll push those mind you they're only pushing further into limiting into limiting of the map of the and, outfit. And yeah so if i'm Kit, I push them 3 dB. I might only be getting something, but it still sounds louder. I understand. So I do it knowing that mm, all you're really doing is compressing it more, but it does sound. It it, sounds it does louder. though. It does. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and also, you know, we talk about this all the time. That API 2500. If you hit the mm -hmm. thrust part of that. If you mm -hmm. knock into that by 3 dB, it actually causes an EQ thing to happen um, that that makes it sound bigger. As you hit that compressor harder, right. it it thrusts the mid range out at you. Um, so I'm sure you're experiencing mm -hmm. some of that too. Uh, if you if you're using the API on your output, I do. Yeah, um, which I certainly am. Yeah, yeah. as well. Um, mm -hmm. Later in a whole other video, we're going to get to talk about because I'm the in the box guy and you're the guy that uses a lot of analog stuff. So let's definitely. I'm around the box. <laughs> you're around the box. That's great. Um, but um, anyway, you know, so I, I just wanted to speak to you a little bit about dynamics because I feel like um there are that younger engineers maybe need to study that more like they don't know about it right they don't know because you mix you mix something based upon what you've listened to right like i i think you become an engineer um based on the music that you listen to so i always tell younger guys that they should listen to music prior to them being born <laughs> Um, you know, because, because there was a period of time in recordings where, um, it was analog recording. And so it was a bit warmer and, um, the dynamics that existed back then may teach you something about how to be a better front of house mixer. That's kind of what I was getting at. If that makes sense. If I can, if I can make maybe one last point on that too, because I don't, God, that's, you're so right. And it's so important. There's a lot of the, like when we were talking about, we went to tuning music. That's not my favorite music. None Me of that. either. None of that. Not even close <laughs> to what I want to listen to. Um, and mind you, for years, I would come off tour with this mega million dollar PA, and then I had a 86 Ford pickup truck that had an AM FM cassette player. This is like five years ago <laughs> with one blown out speaker that sat, sat behind. You know what I mean? Like, totally. There's listening to music, and then there's mixing. So I'll use those things for their sonic qualities you know um but like there's a lot of times when i'm mixing where i'm thinking about led zeppelin which certainly sounds amazing but it's not always the most conducive to pa tuning. like i try to choose things a lot of times that are clean sure for those you know what i mean um but when i'm mixing i'm thinking about 
big guitars or I'm thinking about, or go back to like, listen to Quincy Jones mixes. Oh, man. Those things aren't squashed to death. Dude. You know, off the wall is huge sounding. It sounds like there's 700 dB of headroom. Dude. You know, so I'm thinking about those sounds when I'm mixing. Um, uh, one last thing I want to say too, it's also easier, I think, for a younger mixer to get caught up because what are you and I talking about? We're talking about processing and we're naming all these plugins or this, right. this is and that. And it'd be easy to get caught up in the notion of like, I have to do that. Also, I have to do that, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing with it, which will create a lifeless, small, squished mix. So I think there's a lot of pressure on people to to use a lot of stuff. And if you're not using it, and maybe the total proper way you're going to end up with this little flattened piece of nothingness. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, I, I tell this story all the time. It's like the, the guys that I see that are not succeeding are generally the ones that I walk up and look at their desk and there's just plugins everywhere and stuff everywhere. And you know, mm-hmm. stuff engaged, EQs on top of EQs. And, you know, those are the guys that are not succeeding. Mm-hmm. I, I think that people, um, you know, people get lost in the the equipment part of this, right? Like it, it's kid in a candy store. I think that you and I came up in an era where, um, you know, in analog land, when I had an XL4, I might've had maybe two 1176s. And I had to decide what each one of those analog 1176s was going to be on. Like, okay, one of these is going to be on the bass guitar and the other one's going to be on the snare drum, I think. But now Mm -hmm. in this kid in a candy store world that we live in, you can have 45 instances of an 1176 and people are Mm -hmm. misusing that. You know what I mean? They're taking that sound Mm -hmm. and putting 1176s on every channel. You know what I mean? Um, And the Mm -hmm. end result is, is often not very good uh, when you do that. Less is more. Like I always, you know, we, we talked about kind of the four fundamentals of stuff, you know, where it was, where it was uh, you know, mic uh, choices and mic placement. Um, you know, those things are way more important than like talking about whatever plugins, you know? Um, so yeah, man. Um, anyway, I think it's an interesting discussion. Um, I, I urge you guys to, um, you know, you guys are audio professionals. You should be listening to music that inspires you to, you know, be dynamic or, or whatever about your mixing. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, the guys that I watch that are kind of failing are guys that I wonder if they don't know what sounds good. Do you know what that makes? Does that uh, make I, sense? I, I do. I also think the bar we might be hard pressed to get off this topic for this one. Cause I think it's an important one and yeah. I almost don't want to. Okay. Let's uh, not the, keep uh, going. I, well, or which, wherever we go with it, but it's like, it's funny. Cause and this is honest to God, this is the way, which is cool that we're doing this. This is no different than if you or I were just shooting the shit. Yeah. Uh, uh, the bar, I don't know where the bar is set with a lot of guys too. And then there, then there gets into this, Sometimes you'll you'll watch that you'll see something going on, and it's it's okay with whoever the mixer like they're totally fine with whatever like they're nailing it you know, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean I know. and I wonder and I know people like yourself and I and some of our peers that we obsess over it for our uh, for better or worse yeah and that, but 
is not everyone does that, but a lot of times, man, these guys, they're just totally happy with what they've got, which tells me that in some, a lot of circles, the bar is set fairly low or I, I think I, that's, I, I don't know what the deal is. I think that's I true. What, I've had, I, Go yeah. Ahead. And there's a lot of times too, and it is a little bit, no, you know what? No, it's not out of, out of ego that I want some of these mixers to ask me questions, but like, I enjoy the banter just like I enjoy this. Yeah. Man, I love it when there's someone from a support app. Now that's not mind you, that's assuming that my show is something that is any bit <laughs> at all impressive to them. And they do want to know, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, there'll be a lot of times where we'll have a support act and I go, man, I got so close to getting it. Yeah. I wish we could talk. Not yeah. to be like, do this, do that. But no. like, let's talk. And then like, it goes with that sort of attitude of like, good, it's all good. You know? And it's like, mm, I don't know that it is. Like, yeah. <laughs> I wish you would ask me, but totally. I don't know that you have that. I mean, I don't want somebody that's just blowing me up, nor would I ever wanted, would want to have done that to anyone in the past. But if I found someone willing to talk, it was an older engineer. Um, oh, you better believe I take advantage of it. You know 100%. I mean? And appreci appreciatively so. And you just don't find that many guys that want to talk. Like they just want to get back to the bus and high five and be like, wow, we crushed it. You know? So <laughs> I don't know. That's so weird. I, I mean, know. you know, in all of this discussion, I don't want this to sound like out there in the internet world. I don't want this to sound like, like we're slagging engineers out there. We're not. What we're talking about is trying to improve, trying to help you to improve yourself to achieve, um, you know, excellence. There's, there's this huge thing, you know, when I, when I do like masterclasses and when I'm talking to other engineers, um, there is a lot of engineers out there who are very good, but then there's a lot of guys there's sorry. Then there's a few guys that are like, wow. And so what yes. separates those two things? And the way that I always kind of describe it is it's like this. Eddie Van Halen is not an amazing guitar player simply because he rehearsed more or spent more time in his, uh, you know, as a teenager playing guitar more than anyone else. Eddie Van Halen is amazing because it's just in him, right? Yes. So like that it's true of engineers and i i have spent a bunch of time like kind of um realizing that for myself um and i can't speak to you or, or other engineers but for myself i realize that there is a lot of stuff that i do that is inherent like god-given like i didn't have anything yeah. to do with knowing how to um fix that guitar tone or whatever. And so mm -hmm. that's, I struggle with that because how do I teach someone that? Like that's mm -hmm. Eddie Van Halen can't teach someone else how to be Eddie Van Halen. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that I'm Eddie Van Halen, but I'm just saying that's the hardest part that I have when I want to give back to the sound community. I want to teach people. Mm -hmm. It's that's the hardest thing that I have is it's like there are times where I'm sitting in a master class and I will do something in that master class that will make the mix sound significantly better. And someone will always ask, what, how did you know to do that? And my answer mm -hmm. is no idea. I just knew, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. so there's this weird kind of um, moment um, that I have where I 
I can see that there's really good engineers out there. I just want to help them to be the top 1%, those top 1% guys. And that's what I think you were talking about was, you know, the guys that are just high-fiving and going to the bus, they don't want to be that 1%, no. you know? And sometimes I'm jealous of them. I wish I didn't care so much. You know what I mean? It's true. It yeah. would save me a lot of fucking headache. Um, just That's being true. honest. Uh, yeah. You know, I'll say this. The guy, the the guys and gals that want, do want to be the best and that do have that, they really want to know and they want to know why. And they, they almost ask questions uh, in the same vein as like a child who's just truly curious. You know, totally. why, how? How'd you get that same person would probably be excellent at selling insurance because True. it's just, if that were their passion, cause it's just in them, True. you know? Um, and, uh, and I don't know how you instill that in someone. I can say this for me though, what I have, I know this, and I've said this a lot. I don't think I speaking for me, I have a lot of drive. I have a lot of passion for music. I don't know how naturally talented I am. Uh, and, and in a lot of ways, of course, we're all, we are all our own worst enemy. But um, I know that for me, a lot of what the stuff that I've learned and the skill sets that I have has come through practice. In other words, I'm the, I am the kid that would sit, stay late after basketball practice and shoot 100 free throws before I went home because I'm not the kid that walked into the gym off the street that could just naturally score 40 and go home and eat a bag of Twinkies. Like that's not the way it works for me. You know, I have to, I've had to like really hone in on it. Interesting. So that's why I do like the, I do like when people want to engage. Cause I'm like, I hear you. I feel you. I was the same, you know, truth be told, it's probably a mixture of both. It's like this innate ability you have to, to listen and to assess and then it's learned. But for everybody, you know, you see the guys, I'm like, you were a guitar player. And yeah. I'm sure that plays a, a huge role in how you're able to do like you'll see people where you can tell like they're a little more talent and gut and the he's a little more analytical and this and that. And it's you can kind of see the the it's it's the weird. It's like, you know, there are a lot more engineers these days that are have never been a musician. And so right. I don't know how I don't know how that works. Like how do you have a mm -hmm. conversation with an artist about, um, hey, I think the guitar should play, the guitar should be louder in the bridge when you don't have any sort of musicianship knowledge? Um, well, here's into uh, to your point, and this is what's great about this sort of back and forth thing. That's kind of me because I, you know, when I was a kid, and some people are able to do it all, I was so obsessive that while music was my passion. I was really into sports. Okay. And now there's plenty of people that were like, yeah, I went to basketball practice and came home and played the guitar. That wasn't me. And I'm so just like when I got really into audio, that was all that mattered. So music was a passion of mine. And in turn, critical listening, not on purpose, became a skill set of mine. But it wasn't until I was 17 or 18 that I really was like, I want to mix. And I never did want to, and I could like play a few songs on the guitar. I could play a few songs on, you know, my favorite song, I knew four chords, kind of play drums. I wasn't worth a shit in anything, nor did I want to be. And I made a decision that I wanted to do sound and I was a little different. And then I actually knew I wanted to do live sound because the concert experience. Yeah, it was so, it was so big to me. So to your point though, I had to, and have had to, and a lot of times with a, a good bit of trepidation, because I'm like, I don't know exactly, you know, bridging that gap between engineer and musician, 
I've had to learn song structure as best I can. I'll be able to tell you what key we're in. I can, you know, I've had, to, I had to, had to learn that over time. Wow. And, and a lot of that's just kind of going, Oh God, what am I doing? Just winging it, you know? So it's possible, but it, it takes a lot of work to, to do it. Well, absolutely. I think, you know, I mean, everyone has that story of, for me, it was in a uh, recording studio where, you know, somebody points to a piece of gear and goes, hey, kid, you know, can you uh, dial that up for me? And it's a piece of gear that I've never like even I don't know anything about it at all. No, right? Like no. I am. I've never touched it. I don't even mm -hmm. know what it does. But I turn mm -hmm. to the guy and I go, yeah, no problem. I got you. Terrified. 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 But um somehow I was able to get through that and, you know, mess around mm -hmm. with a bunch of stuff and make it look like I knew what I was doing. Um, you know, uh -huh. the, the fake it till you make it thing is, is truth, at least for the way that I came up. It was, you know, it was uh, stuff that happened um, on a pretty regular basis. Um, can, I, can I say something real quick? Uh, yeah, absolutely. About this. So earlier today, because none of us are working, we have lots of time to talk. And I did a, podcast with paul watson from headliner and um cool i for yeah man uh i like paul and i forgot what the line of questioning was but he was asking something it, it was kind of similar to what we're talking about here and i made note this is kind of to put a positive spin on some of this too and like you've already said there's a ton of great mixers out there that are part of this younger crop of mixers. for sure um and i i have felt for years now that I'm like, you know, I kind of feel like live sound, we almost got worse in a little ways as of late because there's so many tools available to so many people. And that's not just for mixers. That's on the system then too. Like you don't have to manipulate every page that's available to you in the processor, you know? Yes. So with all of these options, it's kind of, I felt, man, I had a period of time here for several years. And I'm like, this sucks. God, am I, I must suck. This all suck. You know what I mean? And, uh, and here lately I felt like that's, I don't know if I've just run across what I'm trying to say is I even know I'm, I don't want to say names right now. Cause I don't want to leave anyone out. Like I know a group of really solid mixers in this sort of, you know, this particular, you know, generation we're, we're kind of referring to that, like now some of the skill sets coupled with the technology know-how are starting to mesh. And now we're seeing more guys at 20, 21, 22 that have been using a compressor effectively for a few years. You know what I mean? Very true. Um, and so there, there's a, it, there is, I'm seeing a little bit of the tide turn. Um, I yeah, think I just I just want to make a point of, of that. No, I think you're absolutely right. There are a, a plethora of young mixers, and I think it's it is um, a lot due to technology. Like when you and I um, were coming up, at least for me, I know that I didn't have any studio experience until I, my senior year of high school, and that was a one weekend in a recording studio in Los Angeles. And even at that, I was just a musician, and I didn't even know what any of that gear did. And so it was into my college experience before I got to even touch any sort of type of gear. Now we're talking about kids who are six years old with a laptop and Pro yeah. Tools and plugins, and are already mm -hmm. making records at home 
um, mm-hmm. through their teenage years. And by the time they get to be 20, 21, 22, they're infinitely, they, they have had 10 years of experience, believe it or not, um, mm-hmm. with some of these tools. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, um, we never had the, the internet to, you know, like this, like you and I talking about stuff, like we never had any of this. So, um, mm-hmm. Those kids have all of those tools. They can, all that you have to do is go search on YouTube how to you know how do I get a kick drum sound, and there's a hundred yeah. videos of how to get a yep. kick drum sound. So I think it's a factor of that as well. There's people that are getting you know ten years of an experience on gear, and then also um, you know the the learning curve of this. Um, and so I I absolutely agree with you. There are guys out there that are that are just kicking ass at it. Um, mm-hmm. I, um, kind of just to sum all this up that we were talking about today, you know, we didn't get to drums in this video, but I promise you guys we'll get to that. Um, maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll do a drum video next and I'll post that next video first before this one. But anyway, regardless, okay. um, yeah, uh, regardless, you know, this is, um, I hope an interesting discussion that you guys enjoyed. Um, I hope you guys got something from it. Um, but, uh, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to throw out there, Chris, about specifically about what we've just been talking about? No, I mean, truth be told, uh, we could go for another three hours on it, but no, I think I do want to make a point real quick on your fake it till you make it thing. I've, I've told people, I'll tell people all the time. One of the biggest things I did early up was early on was read all, I read all the trade mags. I read manuals. I read everything I could find. Of course, the internet was was around, but it didn't have quite the proliferation of information that it does now. And and the reason I did that was so that I could at least hang in a conversation. Totally. I had at least heard the phrases before. Yes. You know what I mean? Just like you turning to that piece of gear going, I think I know what this does. <laughs> I think I know and what that's it does. Enough. Yeah. That'll hold you by that'll hold you just long enough till you really do know what the hell you're doing. That's a so. great point that you point out, you know, um, you know, obviously trade magazines and you know, people should be, you know, mm-hmm. definitely reading all that stuff. But um for me, there's two books that every kind of guy that's coming up into sound stuff should be checking out. And one of them is that uh, Yamaha Sound Reinforcement Handbook. Sound Reinforcement Handbook. That book, uh, everyone should have read that book. You should check out the principles in that. That book's been around for like 20 years or more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it's it's still fundamentally kind of, um, you know, the... Uh, the thing. And if you have any inkling in um, system tuning or learning about system systems, um, it's the guy from uh, Meyer. And I feel horrible right now that McCarthy. I. McCarthy. Yeah. Bob McCarthy. Bob McCarthy. Yeah. God. Yeah. I feel horrible that I, right. I couldn't yeah. remember his name. McCarthy. But. Um, <laughs> uh, his book, um, System Optimization, I think it's called, or something like that. Um, something like that. That's that is another like those are the two kind of gold standards. Is there is there another one that you'd recommend or I I knew you were going to say Yamaha the the sound reinforcement handbook and then uh, yeah uh, no that's okay pretty damn solid right so those are the two um so if you're just starting and you're like checking these videos out or even if you've been around for a while like go back and check those books out um literally i i have both of those books are like on my bookshelf and even every once in a while i'll like check it out and be like i don't remember what bob said about 
this right. and you know um so anyway all right guys well thanks a lot for tuning in um we're gonna do a bunch more of these i hope you guys are enjoying these um and uh you know chris's uh social media at chris rabold on instagram um and then i'll give you guys a splash screen here in a minute with all my social media make sure that you subscribe stay in touch with us hang in there wash your hands stay inside <laughs> there you go all right guys we'll see you in a little bit